This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Inside Black and Gold, back again. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak getting you into some latest and greatest on Saints impending free agency. We're going to be soaked drenched covered in very soon i mean the the talk of where we need to improve uh the saints need to improve and where they need to maybe cut bait going into this year with some players on their own roster is where we'll look at first um but i it's going to be interesting obviously jeff because just the continued salary cap issues that are a problem for the for the franchise, but they are digging out of it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go through kind of the unrestricted free agents um, coming in, some of the restricted free agents, which there aren't that many of. And I would argue this list isn't that crazy. I think it's pretty easy to manage. I'd also argue that the cap is not as big of a deal, as always, as many would like to make it out to be. But this is a team that is trying to, as Mickey said, manage it back to the middle. So they're not always at the bottom. They would like to be closer to the middle because they're okay with operating close to the cap. Like there's a team that is more than willing to spend at or above the cap, but they want to make it so they can have some flexibility in their decisions. So that's going to weigh on some of these free agency decisions, but yeah. And then we're going to make some divisional round picks uh, going into this weekend. We got the giants and the Eagles playing. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Steve knows that his Eagles are going to lose. Yeah. It's not looking good for them. I'll tell you that much. So let's start with the, the restricted free agents just to get them out of the way. So these are players that the saints can tender, at a certain round to make sure that like if, if anyone comes in to sign them, 
that they would get compensation for it. And so that would be wide receiver Marquez Callaway, who is kind of a question mark. I don't know. Like he had a rough season, but I think you're probably going to tender him somewhere and keep him around because he's been on this roster and he's been, he's been productive and yeah, you'll see he's 24 defensive tackle, Albert Huggins, who I would have guessed was like 30, he's 25. So he's on that list. Jawan Johnson, who's probably going to get a pretty decent tender. I bet he's going to be making some decent money next year. Kind of like, like for example, Deontay Hardy got a second round tender and he got made 4 million this year for an undrafted guy who that's a pretty, that's a significant raise. So I expect that's somewhere that's around where you'd get Jawan Johnson. He's 26. And then Chase Hansen, again, it's, he's 29. I don't know. Yeah, you probably, you might bring him back. You might let, you might not tender him and then still bring him back. But I don't think you're going to, you're going to guarantee him any money. But so that's a restricted list. I feel like some way, somehow, no matter what, there has to be a Chase Hansen. Chase Hansen has to be some way, shape or form on the Saints roster. Because it's a rule? It seems to be, yeah. Even though we've seen so limited production or actually him even being on the field. The Saints do have like a quota of Utah guys that they have to bring in, right? It seems like the rule. And he's one of them. He's from Provo. I don't think he went to BYU, unfortunately. So that's a that's a that's a knock against him is he didn't go to BYU. Like he it's the uh, you know, there's another player on this list who did, and maybe he comes back, right? You know, you never know. But yeah, the Saints are very much a team that values the players that they drafted, the players that they evaluated, the players that they bring in, because they already made that decision once. They're not gonna. They're not gonna change their mind. They already feel like this. And so that was. I thought it was an interesting answer that Mickey gave. I asked him kind of whether not having a first round pick this year kind of changes your evaluation process on some of these first round um, options because you don't know if you're going to have a chance at them and how much scouting time are you gonna spend on a guy that you genuinely probably won't have a chance to draft. But does that impact you know if you get a first round pick for Sean Payton maybe? Maybe you do get a chance to draft that guy and you want to have scouted him, right? So it's kind of an interesting conversation. And he said that it's not really going to change how they operate in terms of who they scout because, and I didn't expect this part of the answer, but it's because, you know, these guys might be free agents in four years and they're going to, they're going to want their own evaluation of these players coming out. And so if you had a really high grade on somebody in the draft and then four years later, he's a free agent, and, you know, like, for example, like a Demario Davis, right? Like, it's like you have insight that other people won't have based on what the Jets did with this guy. And maybe the Jets screwed him up. But, like, you know that your evaluation on him is pure. So, you know, why not bring him in? And so I thought that was interesting. And so I think that's part of the reason why, like, you know, a Malcolm Jenkins comes back, a Patrick Robinson comes back, a Mark Ingram comes back. Because you're more comfortable with your evaluation on these players than what other teams are doing in their own organizations. <laughs> that's all. That's all I had there. I'm just going over this list here that, you know, you put out here with the Saints, unrestricted free agents, and there's not a lot that stand out to me as must-keeps, honestly. There's a few, but there's not, I would say, an overwhelming amount that are are must to hold on to for this team. Yeah, so it's about 18 players, and, and I agree. So here are a few that I think are goners, right? All right. Wide receiver Deontay Hardy. I don't think he's coming back, so I'm going to just – no, you got a guy like you, you've upgraded in that position. It feels like an upgrade right now with Rashid Shahid, a guy that won't won't only be a contributor and on special teams, but really to me stood out a lot more what he was able to do on the offensive side of the ball and definitely anxious to see 
how much more they can unlock of him heading into next year. Yeah. And so like, it just doesn't make sense. Like he's, he's right. a guy that you're kind of ruling out going down the list. I would guess that Jarvis Landry, he's not coming back. One and done. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You know, maybe you do get him back, but like, you're not going to, he's not going to be a high priority free agent for you. And, and you know, maybe if he does want to come back another one year deal and he just wants to play at home. Sure. But he's not going to be on my must keep list. Mark Ingram's another guy. Yeah. Uh, I can, I'm putting it next, next to his name. I don't think that it would make sense for you to, to, to go heavy to try to re-sign him. David Johnson is another guy who I'm okay with saying, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Agreed. And even you look at Dwayne Washington, just because what popped up with him late in the year, and you don't even know how serviceable he can be dealing with migraines now. And I mean, he was just more of a special teams guy, but still, you know, he played, he played a de- an important role on that special teams, I feel like. Yeah, and so I think the next the next bucket that I'm gonna put players' names in is the one year minimum guys, right? Like the the guys who you would be willing to resign at one year minimum, and that's about it, right? Like you're not you're not giving anyone multi year deals here. Is okay. So Ethan Greenwich, 25. He spent the year on IR, but I do think that you know there's value there. You know he's a he's a serviceable backup. He might be a practice squad guy, but you know I'm I'm gonna try to bring him back on a one year minimum. Justin Evans, I would probably try to bring him back to, again, depth. He's only 27. Kyle Pacino, I'm probably letting him walk because I think he's going to get interest from someone else, and I do want to just open up, a, open up a path for Peyton Turner to hopefully take a step forward in year three because everyone's already out on Peyton Turner, and I understand why, but like this is year three for him. This is a very important season. It's the season that Adam Troutman had, and he fell flat on his face, and so like I want to open up a path for him. Even if he even if he d- doesn't succeed, he's a first-round pick. I need to at least give him runway. And so I think you already have Carl Granderson. You still have Cam Jordan under contract. You still have, you know, this value there. And so I think that you're letting Tano walk because you are anticipating Peyton Turner stepping into that, that role, that rotational role. So I'm letting Tano walk. How about you? That's a tough one. Just because you know he's a veteran, been there, done that, a guy you could plug in easily, I'd be interested on a one-year deal with him just because I'm not sold on anybody's health along that defensive line. Yeah, I, I would bring Tano back on a one-year deal if doable. Yeah, so we're split on that, but I, I think it's I think it's close. He's 28. He's still productive. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised right. if he gets a deal somewhere else. Like That's that's the other thing is, like, can you bring them back on a one-year deal? Right. And I'm not sure that totally. PJ Williams, it almost feels like a guarantee. <laughs> He's literally played his entire career on one-year deals with the Saints, and I don't expect that to change. So I'm going to put a one next to his name. Dwayne Washington, it's another example. Like he has been dealing with the cluster migraines. So, you know, it's really to me, it's a question of can he keep playing? Like if it exactly, if this is right. a, if this is an issue that he just can't seem to kick. And to knows? me, and to but, me, that running back, and I know you too, that, that running back room is something that really needs a lot of upgrades. I think you need youth for sure. But Dwayne's not the like Dwayne is a, he's back because of the special teams contribution. Right, right. This was the year that if you were going to try to get something out of him beyond special teams, yeah. This would have been the year and you didn't. So, he's a one-year special teams contributor guy in my opinion. And so we're we're kind of we're we're knocking off the the names that are kind of questionable. So, Andy Dalton, I'm going to skip for now, but Daniel Sorensen 32 years old, which I didn't realize he's 32 years old, but he is a BYU guy. And so for the same reason, Taysom Hill is older than you would expect based on the number of years he's been in the NFL. That's Daniel Sorensen too. 
I thought he played, you know, decent. I mean, he didn't have any major breakdowns. You know, he's he was there. He was fine with a backup role. He had a couple interceptions. The Saints only had seven on the year. He had two of them. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing him back on a one-year deal. He was on a one-year deal this year, so I'm bringing him back again, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, he's valuable depth in that secondary and proved to be an asset in in some situations where, hey, he was in the right place at the right time, but we need, definitely needed more of that from this defense that just seemed to be so incapable of of turning the ball over, need any any kind of luck or being a um, a ball magnet. I'll take it from anybody, and yeah, not nothing huge from Sorensen, but definitely a valuable guy that you know you can lean on if needed to for depth. Okay, and now two two more guys who are are either one year or walk guys. Defensive tackle Shy Tuttle, he's twenty seven, and DTD Kentavious Street, he's twenty six. Which if you had to, if you had made me guess, who was older? Yeah. Shy Tuttle or Kentavious Street, I would have I would have put hundreds and hundreds of dollars on on Kentavious being older. He's only 26. He might be the oldest looking 26 year old I've ever met in person. Yeah, it's pretty wild for sure. You, that, when when I'm just looking that up too, I couldn't believe to see that that Tuttle has is older. How, He's just a man child. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, and so and so this is an interesting thing. Like we talked about Ryan Nielsen in the last episode, and Kentavious Street is very much a Ryan Nielsen guy. Sure. Um, Jai Tuttle is a Tennessee guy. And those are two very clear trends of, you know, Ryan Nielsen in the, on the defensive line and Tennessee in terms of just bringing in a lot of Tennessee players for whatever reason. So I would think if Ryan Nielsen sticks around, which we don't know because he's interviewing with the Falcons, I would think Kentavious Street sticks around on another kind of one-year deal. Jai Tuttle, I don't know. I think you're drafting the defensive tackle position this year because you should have done it last year. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if, they, if they, let him, they let him walk. Yeah, to me, definitely in that group, um, I think that you can get more production out of a player like Contavious Street in that defensive end rotation that I think ends up being so key with, with the Saints team being able to, you know, apply pressure. And we just didn't see much from that defensive tackle spot at all this year. And, I mean, there's another guy on the list and a David Onyemata who's now up to 30. I'm surprised to see that. Yeah. I, I, he's, a, he's an interesting guy at a certain point you need to bring guys back because you need defensive tackles, but yeah, I'm probably letting David test the market. There's two guys on this list and we can hit the other one next who I'm letting test the market because I, I, I'd interest, I'm interested in bringing them back, but I'm not interested in, in, in paying for what their value should be based on what they've done. And that is David Onyemata and Marcus Davenport. Both of those guys, I think, if you had to sign them last year, would have gotten lucrative multi-year deals from the Saints, or at least the Saints would have tried to to ink them to multi-year deals because there would have been competition from the marketplace. This year, I don't think there's going to be a lot of competition. And so you might say, yeah, okay, guys, see what you can get. And if, you know, bring it back to us and we'll see, you know, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. But, you know, I don't I don't think either of those guys is going to make you kind of but the bill definitely not on Um, because at least Marcus Davenport, he's 26 and you have a lot invested in him. So if you have an excuse to keep him around, you will. David Onyemata, I think has really been disappointing and he's 30, right? So, you know, you could say, you know, he had, he took a step back this year, but maybe he's just declining because he's getting up there at age. Although I thought he did play pretty well towards the end of the year, at least it was much better than 
for most of the season for Onyemata. With me, with Davenport, man, it's really frustrating. We know the skills there. There's a big confidence aspect lacking from from him and his game. And I think you've seen that in the locker room, too. When speaking to him, it's just a lot of him saying, you know, I've got to think more, believe more myself kind of deal. And it's like, I feel like it's the movie Swingers, you know, where they're talking to their buddy in the bar. It's like, you're that big bear. You've, you've got these claws. Just use them. And I see that with what Davenport brings out there. We've seen him like a bear, more opposing defenders. And for whatever reason, though, he's unable to do that, obviously, on a consistent basis where you feel like he should be able to have like that takeover. And we just haven't seen him be able to do that at all, really. And this past season, I know from Dennis Allen to whatever co-defensive coordinator wants to talk about, Stats not being a measure of everything you do on the field. He had half a sack this entire season. That's got that's got to equate to more. I don't care how many pressures you're bringing. Yeah, that's crazy. It makes no sense. Peyton Turner had two sacks <laughs> in one game. Like <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And it, it I like there's something not adding up there. But again, like I'm putting a T next to his name and I'm putting a T next to David Onyemata's name because in a situation where they, they go out there and they're like, there's nothing, you know, I just don't like the deal that are available. And it's like, yeah, I'll come back on a prove it deal, you know, and, and see what happens. Right. Like, like Evan Engram, for example, did that with the, with the Jaguars yeah. this year. Right. And he oh, had a great man. season and now he's going to get paid. And so like, there is value in that. And, and if I'm the saints, I, you know, I've, I've invested a lot in, in Marcus Davenport. He knows my defensive schemes. He's played well here and we know he can play well. And well, so I'm unable to get him what back. If, what if Nielsen leaves? Does he take Davenport kind of thing with him? You know what I mean? I, yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. But, you know, if I'm the Saints and I'm trying to just maintain, get to some of that pass rush coming back. And if I can get a discount on Marcus, knowing sure. that his ability is there and it's just a matter of unlocking it, I'm going to try it. But I wouldn't be surprised if a team did just, you know, say, you know, that was an anomaly and we're going to pay him a reasonable amount, maybe a three-year deal. So that's kind of where you're the Saints – you're not, you know, they pushed back their void dates. And so I think that they're going to try to going to try to figure some things out. And, and that's going to be something to watch. I think both of those guys are very much up in the air. Now, these, the guys that are left, I think are much more interesting questions in terms of, you know, do you let them test the market? The first one, you know, is right on the, is right on the fringe. And that's Bradley Roby. He's 30. I think I'm letting Bradley walk personally. Because of the young talent you have at that position. Yes. I think, yes. I think yes. you can manage. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. Again, it, maybe, you know, if he if he's just not getting the the deals in the market and he wants to stick around, who knows? Sure, right. But, you know, I, I don't think you're going to spend, you're, you're going to put a multi-year deal on on Bradley. And I think that there will be teams out there who who do want to bring him in because the Saints have been prolific in the secondary and he has proven he can cover the slot, he can cover outside. Um, I think if you're the Saints, you are trying to make sure you can get all three of Paulson Adiba, Alante Taylor, and Marshawn Lattimore on the field. And mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to pay above the minimum for your fourth cornerback. Totally agree there for sure. And so that's right. And it has nothing to do with Brad. I think Bradley's played well. Oh, right. But I'm letting him walk. Did we mention JT Gray at all? Hold on. I'm sorry. I got them all. I got them all. He was actually <laughs> the next guy on my list because I am not letting JT Gray walk. I am not allowing another one of my special teams aces 
to go make the Pro Bowl with another team, yeah. I am paying JT Gray. <laughs> I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of, of seeing Justin Hardy's name and, and Chris Banjo's name about how great they are on special teams. And I get it. The Saints know they can find and, and, and groom and, and develop special teams aces. I want JT Gray. JT Gray is 26 years old. He's in his prime. Pay the guy. Yeah, I agree. When you got a guy with that, you know, 26 years old, still in your prime, depending, I guess you would say, what kind of market it would fetch for him out there. It makes more sense to keep a guy like him around who is uh, above and beyond on special teams and can fill in for you on a pinch, obviously at safety. But what he brings to your special teams group is is obviously above and beyond. And I can't imagine it being that costly of a sticker tag on him. No, and and you did see him more this season in the actual defense. And I don't know if he was good or not or whatever, but like you did at least feel comfortable enough to put him on the field, right? And so if you're if you're at least willing to do that, then I feel like he there's there's a little more value there than a guy who you just would never do that with. And so like I'm I am making sure that he does not leave. And I don't know how you do that, but you do it. And I think you're bringing up next is probably the big price tag or the bigger price tag that may be expected. There's one more first. <laughs> so this is how I've done this, right? I put X's next to guys that I'm going to let walk straight okay. up. I am putting ones next to guys that I want to try to bring back at a one-year minimum deal. I am putting T's next to guys that I want to let test the market. And I'm putting M next to guys that are must signs, must signs. So JT Gray right now is the only must on this list. The next one who I think is a question mark is Andy Dalton. I thought you were going a different direction. Well, there is another. There's one more, but I want to get to him last. And I know who you're, t- I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay. But I mean, like, what do you do with Andy Dalton? Do you bring him back? Do you try? I think that there's going to be an interesting scenario of obviously what, what are the other plans at quarterback? Because I, I don't think you go into the season thinking that Andy Dalton is, yes, your starter week one. No, but I mean, I think he's still a valuable backup, even if he's not. Totally. I totally agree with that. If you're going to draft someone or even bring in, what if you bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo? Who do you, who do you don't know if it could stay healthy even? Right. You know that, you know that Dalton's durable. It it depends on what your plans are at quarterback, but I think you try to hammer out a one-year deal with him. You know, you, you, you see if you can get him back on a similar deal. I'd be surprised if you can, based on the fact that he played pretty well. Considering what fans think, yeah, he did play pretty well. Well, I mean, and, and like high-value backups can can get paid, right? Like, So it's like you're not even not signing him as the backup, or even signing him as the backup, I'm not sure $3 million is going to do it. Agreed, and so it's yeah. like, is, is there value there? But I think you do. I think you try to bring him back on a one-year deal because I think he's he's played well, and he's a guy who, if you do bring in a bigger name, he can be the backup. Unless we're going to talk more about one of my ideas in the next segment, and then it wouldn't make sense. But for now, based on this, I'm going to give put a one next to him, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna try to keep him around. Quote unquote bridge guy. I think yeah, you have to bring him back. And then the last one, 27 year old man, former Idaho Vandal. He's going to get the other. There's only going to be two M's on this list, and this is going to be the other one. It's linebacker Caden Ellis. If they let him get out of town, I will be very angry. Yeah, it'll be unfortunate to see, especially what what he was able to do when when they were down with Pete Werner and everybody kind of was, woe is me, what are you going to do without a guy like that in the lineup? And then the transition really was seamless. And you could even see, you know, Ellis really making, he's always been a try hard, play hard kind of guy. But man, you just saw him really excelling to me in all facets 
uh, of the field, and I was surprised to see him as as a, a pass rusher, a guy being able to stuff the run, and even you know in the passing game. I thought all around he's really improved. And so, and he serves two roles here because you can play him with the other two linebackers, right? And you can yeah. play him in the place of the other two linebackers if you needed to. And so that in and of itself, like you're not going to pay top dollar for a Sam linebacker, but you are going to pay top dollar for a Sam linebacker who can also play the will. And you can probably transition to the mic um, has played well in coverage. He can rush the passer. Like, he does everything well and he's been developed in house. So like, if you're not going to sign that guy, who are you going to sign? So, so he's getting my other M. And I, but I do think that, you know, you look at this list, there's a lot of players on it, but I only have two with M's next to their names, and that's JT yeah. Gray and Caden Ellis. And so I think that that's a good indicator that you are in decent shape from a roster build perspective. See, what I worry about, too, is obviously with Caden Ellis, either coordinator goes somewhere, and obviously he'd be a name they would want to latch on and bring with them to Carolina or Atlanta to say, who we and I, I haven't seen the the Panthers cap situation, but I know Atlanta's got loads of money to blow this year. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. It's like so I'm matching whatever. If someone's offering him a deal, I'm matching it, and that's why I put an M next to him's name. Must match whatever. Like those are guys that I am not letting leave. Like for example, like Trey Hendrickson left because you weren't willing to pay him what the other team was willing to pay him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that should be the case with Caden. In part because, you know, like, obviously DeMario is this guy, but, like, who knows how much longer he has left in the tank. And you don't – and, like, you, you've, you've developed this guy for you, not for other teams. Um, and so that's it. But, but, again, like, there's a reason that I put, I put W's and X's next to all these other names because, like, I'm not, that's not where I'm spending the money. I'm spending the money on Caden Ellis. I'm spending the money to keep JT Gray so that two positions of my team retain this top-tier talent that I've developed. And so that's – to me, that's it. And that's – I think we can wrap that up there. Yeah, definitely interested to see, obviously, who how that shakes out with guys and who who comes back for another year with the Saints. Uh, I, I love the fact that, like you said, PJ Williams it just seems to be a short of a one year deal every year. Yeah, and I mean, I, there's a there's a good number, you know. So Ethan Greenidge, Kentavious Street, Justin Evans, Dwayne Washington, PJ Williams, Daniel Sorensen, and Andy Dalton are all guys that I want to bring back on one year minimum deals. And like, if you can't, you live with it. But, like, you're trying to bring them back. You know, even if it's not a minimum deal, if you have to throw a couple extra million on the top, throw a bonus in there to, to grease the skids because there is another team that's interested, sure. But, like, I think that's that's on the table. Something completely, like, off base or off top. I'm not really off topic, but do you think Ingram retires or does he still play? That's going to be a question for Mark to answer. <laughs> you sound like, like Cam Jordan or a player now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for Mark. I think he's very much in retirement territory. But he's also a guy who, if he was if he was a guy who wanted to retire, he could have done it three times by now. So he clearly wants to play. It's just a question of whether he wants to go through that rehab process. And I can't speak for him on that because that's that's going to be tough. But I know he was doing sideline reporting during the national championship, right? Or one of Alabama's games. Yeah. No. Okay, let's wrap that up there. Um, and then I have a I have a rant that I want to go on about the quarterback that I'd like the Saints to sign. And then we're going to come back with divisional playoff picks. Stick around on Inside Blocking Goal. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller, and I've had this rant kind of building up in my head for a little while. Um, but I did want to wait until the, the, the team in question was out of the playoffs just to make sure you didn't do anything weird. And that's what happened this week. So let's do it. Who should the Saints next quarterback be? Are you going to draft a guy? You're not really going to be in position to draft a guy. Maybe if you get a high draft pick from Sean Payton in the trade, you can you can draft a guy. But even then, you're, you're kind of taking the leftovers at, at maybe 12. Maybe you trade up, go get... CJ Stroud? Nah, no, nah, no. Nah, I don't think you're going to be able to get up that high. So you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to bring back Andy Dalton? Are you going to try to sign Jimmy Garoppolo and hope his leg doesn't break off? Ooh. I don't know. Maybe you trade for Trey Lance. Maybe you trade for Julian Love. None of those guys really excite me. You know who does excite me? I was waiting for a drum roll and you never did it. Um, say, dun, dun, dun. That would be Lamar Jackson, the guy who apparently the Ravens have decided they don't want to pay for, for reasons I can't quite understand. Um, <laughs> But, like, this is a Saints team that is never going to be willing to rebuild. They're not going to tear things down. They're going to keep trying to reload and go for it. And I'm okay with that. But I'm only okay with that if you are still swinging for the fences at quarterback. I am not okay with that if your plan is to try to do it with 35, then 36-year-old Andy Dalton. (laughs) And the reason I think that this would make sense is because you saw last year they were willing to go – you know, clear the decks for Deshaun Watson. If you were willing to do that for a guy who half the fan base was like, never let him near this team, like, and was probably going to get suspended for for a lot of the season. Would you not then do that for, for Lamar Jackson, a guy who from a controversy standpoint is pretty much clean. I, I don't know of any like negative storyline surrounding him beyond, Definitely you know, he doesn't have right. an agent, which I think makes it complicated. Like he negotiates <laughs> his own contracts. You know, you can say maybe, well, we don't like his play style, whatever. But, like, he's the name. He's the guy that if I'm the Saints, I know I can have a real shot at and would completely change the dynamic of this offense in a year where you're probably going to try to change the dynamics of your offense for the first time in two decades, right? That's who I'm after. That is that is my number one target if I'm the Saints. And I have more, but I'm curious, what what do you think about that? No, I, I mean, I love the prospect of Lamar Jackson. Obviously, want to know what's going on with his knee. Is he kind of, you know, been not willing to come back basically because he doesn't have a deal for next season right now? Things have seemed to gone really sour in Baltimore, which is surprising when you have such, I would say, a likable talent. I don't think, like you said, Lamar's not known for getting into any kind of trouble off the field. Uh, his balls. Yeah, teammates love the guy and you know getting to see him up close and personal this year in the superdome was awesome unfortunately you know he ended up beating the saints but you you think of what that kind of dynamic player would bring to this offense and i think you would surely have to make a change at offensive coordinator with a guy like lamar coming in for sure so let me let me put it the question this way yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about his knee or the, the relative yeah. health of his knee. Like Mike Vick said that he should put a brace on it and try to play. Yeah, I, I, said I, I did that. Right. 
and it didn't work out for me. Would you hold it against him if it turned out that his knee was like 70%? He could potentially still re-injure it, even if the re-injury risk was reasonably low by NFL standards. And he said, no freaking way. Am I going out there? You guys won't pay me, but I'm supposed to put my body on the line for you in a playoff game? Because it's like, sure, his knee might have been good enough where he could have, yes, put a brace on it and gone out there and played. And if and if this team had said it had signed him, like had given him a deal so that if he goes out there and his career ends, he's not completely left out to dry by an NFL that doesn't seem to care about your the players once they stop being profitable for them. Would you have gone out there and played? Would you hold that against him? Because I wouldn't. I would say good for you. No, it's tough for sure because you understand him wanting that commitment, obviously. And yeah, it just, it's for whatever reason, things haven't gone well there. And I just, it doesn't make sense to me at all. No, it's, it's a really sour situation. And so the question is, okay, we've, this has been documented. The saints are so-and-so over the cap, whatever, but there is a really easy way that they could get this to work. And it involves the Ravens, right? Like, so the Ravens aren't just going to let Lamar Jackson leave for nothing. But they can facilitate a trade in a way that actually will allow the Saints to be more flexible because it will give them an extra year. And that is the Ravens are going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. It's almost a guarantee. And the only question is whether Lamar would actually sign that franchise tender, which he might not do if it involves going back to the Ravens, right? Like he might play hardball like Le'Veon Bell did with the Steelers and say, you know what, I'll just sit out and – so that's a question, but I think what's, what would happen is you, there's Ravens would franchise tag Lamar and then use that as a way to trade him as opposed to just let him leave for nothing. And it would be a situation where the Ravens have to work with Lamar and much like Deshaun Watson in the sense that, okay, who, who wants him? Like who, who's in this? And then any team that wants to trade for him will have to guarantee Lamar that they'll extend him. And I think the Saints would do that. And the reason that it would make more sense is like it, it's difficult to sign a player off the free agent market and pay him $240 million or whatever. If you're trading for him and then you get to work it out, you get that one year at whatever, like $28 million, whatever it's going to be. And then you can negotiate a contract behind that, figure out what the deal is. And then as the Saints do so well, restructure that one year franchise tag. You know, So he's only counting so much against the cap. He's making all that money, but it's mostly a bonus. And you're putting it on the back end of that deal from a cap perspective so that you're able to have Lamar Jackson under contract next year for $5 million, $8 million, right? Like whatever percentage of your salary cap is reasonable. And so like I've seen people say like, well, the Saints couldn't possibly sign him because of the cap situation. And it's not really true because you're going to backload that deal. And so, yeah, maybe it's going to hit more next year but next year you will have to be in a much better cap situation the year after that and the year after that. And while it might negatively impact the Saints' ability to manage back to the middle like Mickey Loomis said they wanted to do, you're willing to do that for the quarterback position, right? So from a cap perspective, I think it works. You brought up the fact of, hey, you were all in on Deshaun Watson and you're pretty much looking at similar numbers here dealing with you know, a, a quarterback uh, again, and if you were willing to go all in with for a guy that had so many uh, sketchy issues, I guess you could say off the field. And the only issue to me, at least for Lamar Jackson is, you know, how is his health and, you know, willing to invest that kind of money in a quarterback that tends to 
get hurt because he is more mobile kind of I understand you know you being a little more hesitant to dole out the big bucks for him but he's still very young too I mean the risk reward of going after a guy like Lamar Jackson is huge. I mean, he's he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no doubt in that. I know a lot of people can be critical because he is a more, you know, mobile quarterback and leaves himself open to a bigger hit. But I, I think I well, I best described it as to me at least trying to tackle him is trying to to, to tackle smoke. You like yes. you think you have him and he's just like that he's just gone i mean this guy's 26 years old he's won an mvp he had 36 what? touchdowns to six interceptions in the and, 2019 and name, season and go ahead and name the ravens wide receivers please right exactly i'm not <laughs> even gonna try like there are very few situations as a team as a franchise that you're able to bring in and i get it the saints could have drafted this guy they took marcus davenport instead i get it but there are very few instances where you're able to bring in a league mvp at in his peak at in his prime for any sum of money so you're paying it like the the pay paying it is not a question the question is what would you have to give up in trade and i do think that the saints you know in a situation where you're gonna have to trade this isn't gonna be a deshaun watson type trade and the reason is because of the way lamar plays only certain teams will be in a situation where they can accommodate it because you, you do have to adjust the way you operate you do have to adjust your roster build but the Saints are in a unique situation, and it's because they have spent the last four years finding ways to play with Taysom Hill. And I'm not comparing Taysom Hill to Lamar Jackson, but I am comparing the type of things you need yeah. to do with Taysom Hill to what you would do with Lamar Jackson. So you have an offensive line that is built and understands how to play with a quarterback who's going to try to run. You have a receiving core that has now has speed on the edges of the field. Because those are the things you have to have. With a Lamar Jackson offense, you need to have burners on the outside. You need to have an offensive line that can get out and move, that can run block, that can you know extend to the edges of the field. The Saints have that, right? They have an offense that is built to run the ball up from the quarterback position. They have an entire playbook dedicated to it. And you have a backup who, you know, whether you whether people get mad that you're comparing him to Lamar Jackson or not, how many backups in the NFL would be better suited to come in and take over for Lamar Jackson than Taysom Hill, right? Like, even if it's a very big step down, every backup quarterback is a step down from your starter, but he does present a very, very positive impact player that if you did have an injury to Lamar Jackson, you would not have any qualms about putting him in there, right? So I think that it does lend itself very well to the same. And now you have an offensive coordinator position that I think you have a blank slate at. So you can go find someone who just would be perfect to work with Lamar Jackson. It's probably going to be someone at the college level because the offense you're running is going to be a very college-like offense. So Yeah, that'd be very interesting because it seems like you would have to go young, new, fresh. Yeah. There's not but gonna you're be in a, a position to do that. There's not going to be a retread on offensive coordinator for wherever Lamar goes. No, and, and here's the other thing is you're probably trading Alvin Kamara because they don't make sense together. There's a reason Latavius Murray went to, went to Baltimore last year and played well. And it's because that's the type of running back that you want to pair with Lamar Jackson because, and this is the same issue I have with Taysom Hill and Kamara is when you are a quarterback whose best option when the play breaks down is to run the ball, you're not going to be able to use a running back whose best asset is the play breaks down and you throw on the ball. Right. So those things don't mix. So like 
Alvin Kamara could play with Lamar Jackson and have a good season, but you would be sacrificing what Kamara does better than anyone else and having him be something that he's not, which is a between the tackles runner. So in the sense that you're trying to maximize your, your, your players, you would probably trade Alvin Kamara, but that's fine because you, you would get a good return for him. And then you can bring in somebody because the type of running back that you're going to want to pair with him, you can find those. Those are easy to find, right? Like Brian Robinson would have been perfect if if the Saints had drafted him and then it came in. Like he's the type of guy who went like the fourth round. Like you can get that guy. It's hard to find the all-around bell cow running back. And so you can do that. And then the other thing you need to figure out is tight end. Like that is the other position where, you know, Mark Andrews, I don't know how good he is independent of Lamar Jackson, but he's incredible with Lamar Jackson. And is Jawan Johnson that guy? I don't know, but I think you do invest in the tight end position more. And that is the one part that I think the Saints have to figure out. But like, I think it makes perfect sense. And I would be thrilled, thrilled if they went that route. So this is me trying to sell Lamar Jackson to the Saints and do what you have to do. Like, you're going to get assets for Sean Payton. I don't know what you'd have to give up to trade for Lamar Jackson. But again, the things I'm describing, not every team is set up to do, right? Like, you you can pick a lot more teams that couldn't feasibly trade for Lamar Jackson and have it make sense than you can teams that are going to be willing to do it. Like the Colts are going to be in, in the market for a quarterback. The Colts are not built to accommodate Lamar Jackson. So no, that's, 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 my take. that's my take. That's my rant. On, on that point, do you think the Saints have the assets right now to go out and get them? Or do you think they need a little extra boost from that Sean Payton trade to sweeten sweeten any kind of thing for Lamar? Or could, I mean, I guess it's a lot different too because you could include players in the deal. But yeah, besides the Camara, I don't know who you would be sending over to Baltimore possibly right. what what if the deal is camara and the third round pick i mean i i, I mean I, I wouldn't blink i'm pulling that trigger well just because like you, you it wouldn't make sense to bring lamar jackson and pair him with camara so like sure, i sure. think but i think the ravens would be like oh yeah 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 we'll, we'll do that you know so because they're they're also in a position where they're trying to get something rather than nothing so they're not going to play hardball either because they need a team to, like the other teams know the situation they're in do we send like them? You talking about like Christian McCaffrey? Like they didn't get a killing for Christian McCaffrey when the, the Panthers traded him because teams knew they were going to trade him. Um, and so yeah, like Baker Mayfield, like they got nothing for Baker Mayfield. And obviously Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield are two different players. But you know Baker was a number one overall pick. And so like yeah, it's really more of a question of whether they're willing to pay him two hundred million dollars than whether they have the pieces to make that trade because they definitely do well that yeah that's the thing to me it goes back to well if you're willing to pay watson why wouldn't you be willing exactly. to play lamar that's that's definitely what it comes down to and people are going to say well they couldn't they don't have the money to pay him they're like well then how were they going to pay them to deshaun right so they obviously have the ability to to pay him it's going to be complicated but it's more about a willingness than a, than an ability and if i'm the saints and i am just trying to figure out a way to maximize my chances to win with the defense that I have, knowing that it is a title caliber defense. And I have Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave, who are two premier speed threat weapons that can work well with, with Lamar. And I kind of lucked into them, at least from Rashid's perspective. I do it. I do it. And so this is partially me thinking this is a great idea and partially me trying to come up with a scenario where I don't have to watch Andy Dalton for another 17 games. Well, you also not having to worry about using a first round pick or any draft pick then on a future quarterback you're trying to mold, obviously. Right. And that's, that's the big bonus too with the Lamar Jackson. You know the talent you're getting there. Yeah, so you bring in the 12th 
from the Texans, for example, and you can use the 12 on a guy who suddenly is a win now pick, right? You don't think that 12 would have to be part of the Lamar deal? No. Okay. No. Because no one's given up a first rounder in that trade, knowing they also have to pay him $240 million. Right. That'd be interesting, though. I feel like Lamar could still fetch even a first rounder with the deal, huh? Even Not if you, without a contract. I was going to say, and even maybe, if you maybe franchise he does. Maybe him. some team is willing to do that. But, I mean, look at the teams that – what teams are willing to trade for that quarterback, right? Like, who needs a quarterback, first of all? Like, like so if you, have a, if you have a franchise quarterback, you're not trading, right? So who needs a quarterback and would be willing to do it? One answer is the Texans. So <laughs> that would be interesting, right? If John Payton does go to Houston and then decides, I don't want Bryce Young, I want Lamar – because they are a team that also could do that, right? They are a team that has the money, has the assets, could make that trade, then has a coach who knows he needs a quarterback. And, uh, you know, that, so that's, that's, that's something, right? So the Saints would not be alone in this. I could but, see the Raiders maybe trying to make a move for them. They could, but again, the Raiders aren't built to do that. So they would have right. to re, like, they just signed Devontae Adams, who I would not say Devontae Adams makes a ton of sense with Lamar. You know, you, you, want, you want a speed threat. Like, you want a Deshaun Jackson. You want somebody like that. And so I don't think Lamar Jackson is the guy who's going to maximize a high-volume possession receiver. What you want is Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. Exactly. Because, <laughs> and, and there's a reason for that, right? And, it's, and the reason the Saints have guys like that is because they know that when they run Taysom Hill sets, they want that. Because when you have a quarterback who is an elite runner, you are not seeing double-high safeties. You are seeing that safety creeping down on the box because they know they're going to have to come up and make a tackle. So – you need the speed on the outside to win one-on-one matchups, right? And, and if you're going to try to cover Rashid Shahid one-on-one, you're going to get burned for big play after big play, right? And that's what makes it so, like, so you have to have the build to do it. For example, like the Bucks, The Bucks might be in the market for a quarterback. They have one of the slowest receiving cores in the NFL. They're not going to be able to accommodate Lamar Jackson. He's not a guy who's going to be trying to fit it in tight windows to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. You know, so like they would be crazy to make that trade. Maybe they do anyway. Maybe they just say like, we'll figure it out as we go because Lamar is that good. But I don't know if I'm the Saints. He is on the top of my list. The That's going to be something obviously waiting to see how that unfolds the whole Lamar Jackson situation. But I would imagine there's going to be there would be more than two, three teams interested in that, too. I mean, we saw, you know, how the bidding ended up going for to Sean Watson. I can only imagine, I, like I said, I think you're looking at a similar kind of deal with a guy like Lamar, but the, the problem is you do have to, your, your offense has to be catered certainly a different way for a guy like him. Yeah, and so it's like, I think there's a question here, which is, are teams interested or are teams willing to go all in? Right, right, right. And so if you're like, yeah, you know, I think it's, I like it, I want to try it, but Am I willing to give up assets? Am I willing to commit to a five-year, $240 million market resetting deal? Am I, and then am I willing to play the way that I have to play? Because the Ravens clearly aren't, right? Like the Ravens have, have made it clear they are not willing to play that way anymore. They don't want to. Because if they were, then they would have just signed Lamar. So, and who knows? Maybe he does go back. Maybe this is all a red herring, but I don't think you tweet out your medical situation and do all that if... This is a team you're going back to. Uh, no, it doesn't. The situation just feels a bit awkward, and that change 
could be a possibility has definitely crept in. And when you have that that happen, obviously, I think that's that's going to stir the pot, and rightfully so. But like I said too, the the biggest question is, what's the situation with Lamar's knee, and and how do you how do your doctors clear him from that? I agree. But all right, that's my rant. I'm going to stick into it. I just need to get it on the record. All in on Lamar, and the, and that means no Andy, though. No, well, yeah, right. That's why, like, when we talked about the free agent, I was like, okay, but if we do this, then no, you are not signing Andy Dalton. No, because Andy Dalton is not a, a workable backup to a Lamar Jackson system. But Taysom Hill is, so you don't have to sign anybody else. No, right. But you do have to limit Taysom Hill's usage. And so that is something that you would have to do. But at the same time, he's not a change-up to anything. No, but you could draft or bring in that quote-unquote young guy to to develop, I guess you could say. But but that's tough, too, because, I mean, Lamar Jackson is still very young. He's got a lot of years left, you would think, in the league, and it's not going to be something where, oh, it's like a three-year deal, and then you're looking for another quarterback. No, he's, he's you're bringing him in to be the franchise guy for the next five Easily, years. Right, minimum. at least, right. Um, and so, yeah, but like like I said, Taysom Hill wouldn't be a change-up. So you would, you would yeah. eliminate the the coming in and going out. Although you would probably still want to use Taysom Hill, right? Like together you might use pretty fire, right? You want, you would maybe want to use Taysom Hill and Lamar on the field at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And by doing that, you, you would actually have a threat, right? Like there are times where you have Taysom Hill in there and you have Andy Dalton at the, at the wide position. And you're like, Andy Dalton is not going to impact this play. Right, what are you doing? Lamar Jackson could very much impact that play. So like, what happens when, you know, you know, Lamar kind of goes into the slot and then comes in motion and you flip it to him and he's a running back. He's not even looking to throw, but like you have to respect that he can throw it. You know, it would open up so many things and I just want to see it happen so bad that maybe I'm trying to speak this into existence and I definitely am, but that's going to be that. I don't think no, we need to rant out Definitely a nice wish list. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out a way that this team could stop being boring. <laughs> that's no, what to me, as crazy as it may seem, it seems it makes perfect sense though, since you were so aggressive this prior season for another, you know, big ticket quarterback. So why wouldn't they be all in again? And this is a team, and Mickey Loomis has said this. This is not a team that's considering rebuilding or tearing it down. No. He was asked like if it ever makes sense to do that, and he said maybe, but like this this team is nowhere near that. And so if you believe that, and if you're thinking that way then you have to be going in on a quarterback because you know that you need a quarterback to win. So we'll see. But let's wrap that up there. It's been that, that rant went longer than I expected it to, but I, I really do believe it. I gen, I'm, not, I'm not just saying stuff to say stuff. I do believe that. And so hopefully Mickey listens to this podcast. Yeah, he'll take all our, our notes down and bring them to the, uh, the rest of the board meetings for sure. We are hosting Sports Talk on Friday, so I'll make sure to talk about it then because I think maybe they will listen to that. <laughs> all right. We're going to come back and we're going to make some picks for the divisional round playoff matchups coming up this weekend. Giants and Eagles, baby. <laughs> Woo. All right. Let's do it. Stick around inside Black and Gold. Back here on Inside Black and Gold. One more segment to go, and that's going to be having nothing to do with the Saints. 
and it's going to be having everything to do with the teams that were actually good this year. I'm Jeff Noack alongside Steve Geller. We're going to go through the division round of the playoffs Saturday and Sunday. There's no stupid Monday night game this week, although the teams that played the Monday night game and the Cowboys will have to play on a short week against the team that gets a long week because the 49ers played on Saturday. And I don't know if that's a concession to the fact that the two seed doesn't get a buy anymore. I don't know if it's just, you know, the Cowboys suck. Either way, it's stupid, but we don't have to get into that. I've already complained about it enough. It's actually surprising, though, because like I said, if this happened to the Saints, we'd be like, oh, that's par for the course for the NFL. But, you know, jerking over the Dallas Cowboys, America's team is kind of surprising. I I would get it if there was two Monday night games and you at least balanced it between the conferences. For some reason, the NFC forward five game gets gets a disadvantage because of ratings. I, I don't know, like, because you're the most popular, you, you get a disadvantage. It doesn't make sense. And the thing is both wildcard teams now get a disadvantage because the giants played on Sunday. Now they play on Saturday. So because the Cowboys won, the giants also get screwed over. I I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid, but whatever. Yeah. That Monday game kind of threw a wrench into things. It's just so stupid. And it was a terrible game and you knew it was going to be a terrible game. You put a bad team in it. I thought it would be better. Bad game. I believed in Tom still, and I thought the Bucks could pull it out. I actually think Tom, if the the Bucks defense had been able to do anything, he would have had a chance to bring them back. But like they couldn't get a stop. And when like you can only come back in games when the defense gets you the ball back, and they just kept folding every possession. But yeah. Anyway, all right. So divisional round starts all on right. Saturday. The first game is the first one seed game. So both one seeds are playing on Saturday this week. Right. And so that is the Chiefs hosting the Jaguars, the 14-3 and three Chiefs hosting the 10-8 and eight Jacksonville Jaguars who overcame a 27-0 deficit to beat the Chargers who didn't think that type of collapse merited a firing of their head coach. I don't know. But the Chiefs are eight-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. You know, I, I don't want to pick against the Jaguars because I think the ability to come back is something, but... You don't get down 27 nothing by accident, and I don't think that the Chiefs are the team that you're going to come back on. No, Kansas City is definitely one of those that I have pegged from the AFC to make it back to the Super Bowl. I just think that uh, Mahomes just had an MVP-type season, and you, you, t- you take away a weapon like Tyreek Hill and what they were still able to do. The, the defense is suspect over in Kansas City, but I don't think that's going to be too big of a deal against a Jacksonville squad that's had a hell of a turnaround year one under Doug Peterson. I just don't think they can keep up with Mahomes or the Chiefs in Kansas City. I would take Kansas City given, I think, the seven and a half, eight points. I'm taking Kansas City. I just have a hard time with that line because I thought they were going to boat race the Broncos the other week and they didn't do it either. I don't know. Like I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game, but I think Jacksonville is going to score. And so I, I have a hard time picking eight and a half. If it was seven, I'd take it, but we'll see. Either way. I, w- I was really impressed. Obviously, last game, I was like, oh, there's Christian Kirk. Yeah. No, Christian <laughs> Kirk, Evan Ingram, they, they had a good game. But yeah, so I think we're in agreement on that. That's 3.30 on NBC uh, on Saturday. Then the second game, the game that I'm excited about. For sure. And another game for a team that will, whether they win or lose, will be like, what a great season. <laughs> 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 Is the... 10-7-1 Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Another game, this spread is a lot, seven and a half points. I think it's based on when the Giants and Eagles played a few weeks back. It was 48-22. to 22. And then in yeah, week 18, Philly, Philly the Giants and Eagles played. The Eagles had to win. The Giants were already clinched, so they didn't play any of their starters. 
but yeah. they did play Kenny Galladay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did pay their highest played player. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Eagles won 22-16, and Kenny Galladay caught a touchdown. But I, and, but I think that 48-22 game is weighing heavily on the odds makers. But yeah, I will absolutely. say for the Giants in that game, they did not have Xavier McKinney because he blew up his hand. Or he didn't blow up his hand. That was Jason Pierre-Paul. He he messed up his hand in an ATV accident. He's back now. One of the league's best safeties, in my opinion. Former Alabama kid. Has multicolor hair. And Adoree Jackson is their top cornerback, who has been out with an injury majority of the second half of the season, is now back. And he played very well against the Vikings. And really, you know, they shut down Justin Jefferson in the second half of that game. So I think that from a talent perspective, the Giants are in much better shape. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close, but and the, and the Eagles are playing some of their worst football of the season right now. But you know, it's tough for me to pick the Giants, knowing how badly and seeing how badly they looked against Jalen Hurts just a few weeks back. That might be have been the Eagles at full strength their last really good game because after that, I mean, it's been pretty rough to watch. The production's gone down. The turnovers have gone unexplainably up for that team, and. I think we talked about it in jest a little bit about how maybe this Philadelphia squad, could they have possibly peaked too early during the season? Because they definitely limped their way into the playoffs, whatever you want to say about it. Uh, having Jalen Hurts back obviously is a huge difference for that offense and obviously a, a huge key to me on why he should be considered an MVP candidate because you saw Gardner Minshew running the show over there. And I don't know, I'm I'm kind of – as an Eagles fan, I'm nervous about picking Philly in this game just because I know the division rivalry and how tough it was it is against, you know, NFC East opponents hate each other obviously. I'm picking Philly, but I would take the Giants to cover. Yeah, for, so for perspective, week 13, Eagles just beat up the Titans as the AJ Brown revenge game, 35 to 10. Next week, Eagles just boat race the Giants 48 to 22. It's a game that was not as close as 48 to 22 makes it sound. Then the week after that, Eagles beat the Bears 25-20, but that's the game that Jalen Hurts gets hurt. And my question now is, obviously Jalen Hurts is back, but is his arm 100%? Like, is he still dealing with that injury? And I would guess that he is to some extent. And so is that going to limit him? Is he going to be as effective? And so obviously after that game, they played the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew, lost 40-34. to Then they played the Saints with Gardner Minshew and lost 20-10. to Then they beat the Giants who were playing backups 22 to 16. You know, 22 to 16 in a game where they were facing the backups. Yeah. That's not a great indicator to me. And I think it's it's one of those situations where the Giants now have confidence. The Giants now are the team that feels like, yeah, we're the poachers. We're we're going in trying to steal what you got. And and all the pressure is on Philly. So it's a Giants team who I think played a perfect game in Minnesota. They learned how to play on the road. If you know anything about the Giants you know that they love going on the road in the playoffs for whatever reason it's obviously a completely different team but you know they hadn't won a playoff game in a decade which is kind of crazy to think about the last playoff game they won was the Super Bowl in 2012 against the Patriots and they went on the road for that playoffs they went on the road for the 2008 playoffs so I mean I I don't think any Eagles fan is like walking in there thinking like oh this is going to be a bloodbath for in our in our favor like I think they're going to get pushed and so it's going to be it's going to be a fun one I'll be making my cheesesteaks and have plenty of beer for that one. I am glad it's on Saturday so I can recover on Sunday.
Cause that was the only thing like yesterday, like the giants game. Like I, I tied one on for that game, the, the uh, wild card round, but thankfully oh, Monday was a holiday. Hurt. Okay. So I was able to recover. All right. So moving forward to Sunday <laughs> and you have the, probably the game of the playoffs. Yes. In the sense that it is the rematch of the game that didn't happen. I'm not entirely sure why this is not a neutral site game. Cause it should be because the, the bills, like they get home field advantage, but they didn't play that game, which would have decided home field advantage. So why or do they have home? I mean, anyway, I don't. I don't make sense to me. But for either some way, it affects the AFC Championship and not this game. Right. This is the game that should be like. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's like they only decide. They they just didn't want to have two neutral site games. Either way, because like the game that didn't happen was in in Cincinnati. And right. so the, the whole, it just does, I don't get it. Why, like the, the Bengals are the ones who are getting disadvantaged here. But either way, this is an interesting one. Bengals going on the road to face the Bills, 13 and 4 to 14 and 3. It's the 2 p.m. game on Sunday. Why? Yeah. I don't know. But Buffalo is favored by five points. That's going to be like, I have no idea where to lean on that game. It's going to be a good one. I, I, I would look at both of these teams and I would say like they, I thought they were going to roll in their first round matchup and neither did. Both of them got pushed right to the limit by a couple teams with backup quarterbacks like Skylar Thompson. They had a chance to go down the field and tie it with a field goal. I thought they were going to blow that game. And then the, the Ravens lost because of a 98 yard fumble return for a touchdown. So yeah, yeah. I would agree both, both of those matchups in the, in the wild card round, uh, a lot closer than either team would have liked and definitely what I thought. I'm leaning, and I think it's – I'm leaning towards Cincinnati, and I think it's the Joe Burrow effect on me that I'm pulling for Joe. I'm pulling for Jamar Chase kind of thing and would like to see the Bengals build upon last year's, you know, success of going to the Super Bowl and prove they're not like one-trick ponies kind of deal. I don't think anybody thinks that, though, but just – um. I know the the world or the NFL world might seem to be on Buffalo's side. They seem to be since the beginning the of darling. this season. A lot yeah. of folks jumping on that bandwagon. Then obviously what happened, you know, the past game. But but to me, uh, it's tough to pick because I really believe with my heart I'm picking the Bengals because of Burrow. But that's, that's where I'm going. I see this game coming down to whichever quarterback values the ball the most. Because – when the Bills get into trouble, it's because Josh Allen turns the ball hey. over. And when the Bengals have gotten in trouble, it's when Joe Burrow turns the ball over. You know, and like Trevor Lawrence somehow survived a game where he threw four interceptions, and that that's that doesn't happen, right? So that's amazing, like, right? I, I think whichever team, whichever quarterback is able to execute without turning it over, because you're going to have to take risks, you're going to have to score. So like that's going to be the difference to me. But uh, I'm I'm picking the Bengals because I just think that I think that Joe Burrow in must win games is just a different person. He is the closest thing that I've seen to Tom Brady in that situation since Tom Brady. And obviously Tom Brady still exists, but like they're, they're very similar in that regard. Like, I don't know if he's the most talented quarterback. I don't know if he's the most talented athlete, but he just has this ability to lock in and just go into just, you know, instant kill mode that I don't know if anyone other than Tom Brady can hold a candle to. And so that's why I'm picking the Bengals. Who day? Who day say they're going to steal our chant? All right. And the final matchup, the uneven rest game, which is so stupid to me. Like, at least make the 49ers play on Sunday so that it's like, like close. So dumb. But yeah. Okay. So the 49ers, 14 and four, hosting the Cowboys, 13 and five. Like, it's like people are pretending it's like, oh, they should have won more games in the regular season. Like, they won the same number of games before this point. Both teams have won 13. Anyway, moving on. 
49ers have won 11 straight games. It's unreal. Doesn't happen. When you, when you consider what's happened to them at quarterback, too, obviously. Yes. They're on their third-string quarterback. They've won 11 straight games. It's a very good football team. Well, they got pushed. They got pushed harder than I expected by the Seahawks. They did sure. cover the spread because the second half of that game went the way you expect the whole game to go. But this is a very good 49ers team. They have rest. This is a 5 p.m. start. Wait, what? This can't be right. I'm not I'm not trusting the CBS Sports starting time. 5.30 kickoff, I got. Yeah, why is it so early? No, but anyway. we want late football. I guess. They're just trying to give the Cowboys the least amount of rest possible. So they were like, <laughs> no, you don't even get those two hours. See, the league is conspiring against now the Cowboys. But no, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a question, right? Like you want to really lean on San Francisco, but Dallas has a very good offense. Um, I don't know if the defense is going to be able to hold up, but Brock Purdy is going to have to show up, you know, and, and that's going to be a question. Like every game is another, is another moment for a rookie to show rookie mistakes. And I think that he got away with some passes in this game in the, against the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense is not good either. It's a three and a half point spread. I'm not picking Dallas, but I, I'm not sure if I want to pick the 49ers either. Like, it's tough. No, like you mentioned, it's like I keep waiting for the shoe to drop or the clock to strike midnight for Brock Purdy, whatever you want to say. There's going to be that game, I think, that he's not able to to come back from kind of thing. He's been lucky. And I'm not – I mean, what do you expect from a rookie quarterback in this situation? He's got great, obviously, weapons around him with Sam Fran. But, yeah, I'm sadly and going to pick the the Cowboys in this game just because their defense does worry me. And they've got a pretty solid running game with uh, Pollard and Elliott that I think can keep that uh, Niners offense off the field. And if you remember how last year's game ended – it was the forty, the Cowboys trying to get a spike down in the, like the twenty yard line because Dak decided to scramble, or you know, it might have been a called run. Either way, like, and they ran out of time. They didn't get a shot at the end zone from the twenty because they couldn't get a spike down with like six seconds. Like it just turned off the clock. So that's probably something that the Cowboys are going to be motivated about. The other note about this game is it is going to be so the NFC playoff bracket has three NFC East teams in it. <laughs> Three of the four teams left in the playoffs are from the NFCs. It's the first time that's ever happened, where one division has funny, three know, of the just, final. It was just a couple oh. years ago they were called the NFC Least, so that's kind of funny. Well, Bobby called them that, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, like, again, like two years ago, the 2020 season, a team with a losing record made the playoffs out of this division, seven and nine. Yeah. The Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders, got in at seven and nine, and everyone was like, wow, it's the worst division in football. Now... This division has done something that no one else has ever done and gotten three teams into the divisional round of the playoffs. That's remarkable. Um, and so the NFC East is going to have at least one team in the NFC Championship. Fact. Yes. Fact. Two years removed from not having a winning team in the division. So well, for, that shows you, obviously, between draft, free agency, any, any kind of other you know, moves teams make, that, that things can change that rapidly in the NFL. So it makes the NFL so great. It's, it's what makes the NFL worth watching. You know, it's like, it's it's why I don't watch the NBA because, you know, it's a 82-game regular season that doesn't matter. And then it's a month-long playoffs where, you know, you know who's going to make the finals before they even get there. And, yeah. Like, I still think the Giants have a chance. They're the sixth seed. I think they have a chance. Right. You There was nothing to make you think 
that they wouldn't have a shot over an Eagles team that's been struggling despite being the number one seed, despite getting that week off for rest. They they have to hope that obviously Hertz Hertz comes back for them and is that same guy he was at the beginning of the year because yeah, between the the lack of scoring and turnovers late in the year, that's a huge concern for Philadelphia. And something, like I said, as as an Eagles fan concerns me going up against Big Blue, your NFC, you know, yeah, e- NFC East foe that would love to just spoil an entire season that you fought hard for that number one seed for. And they're hot at the right time. Exactly. And like, uh, I don't think I've seen Daniel Jones playing with that much confidence ever. Oh my God. That was wild. Like he had the stat line that no one's ever had, but he had like, he's the first ever quarterback to have like 300 yards passing two touchdowns and over 70 rushing yards in a game. What? Which doesn't seem like a crazy stat line when you think about it. I think somebody busted out vanilla Vic when talking about him. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I have a friend who I beat in our fantasy league this year because Daniel Jones went bananas in week 17 and I, I I hold it over him because this is the same guy who I once told that I think that Daniel Jones could be like flea market Josh Allen. <laughs> and he told me that I should never mention Josh Allen and Daniel Jones in the same sentence. Hmm. And now we'll fast forward like two years later and Josh Allen's former coach is now coaching Daniel Jones. And when you know it, Daniel Jones is now like, you know, not flea market Josh Allen. He's like, you know, Salvation Army Josh Allen, which is a much better situation, I think. <laughs> no, the, the the Giants are definitely a team right now that have been building confidence. And if it wasn't, if they were playing the 49ers, I'd be less concerned. But as you know, being a division rival, there's just that little bit of an extra edge there where they know each other. Kind of, it's kind of like you, right. you you throw the records, you throw whatever out the window, obviously. Yeah. But all right, I think that's it. Giants are going to win it all. Steve agrees, and uh, we'll go from there. But all right, Steve. Anything else you wanna you wanna you wanna chime in before we clear out? No, I'm I'm sadly thinking it's gonna be the, the NFC. Really, I don't I don't have a favorite. Uh, be rooting for Philadelphia, obviously, but there's no one that I'm sold on that. Oh, this is the team. And like I said, the AFC for me, I'm all in on Kansas City and Mahomes. I agree. We'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. If anyone wants to hang out, I'll be at Finn McCool's again <laughs> Saturday night. Getting a big tab. Come and hang out. I'll buy you shots. All right, that's it. Shots. Peace.